0: Welcome to the Word of God, I'm Father Reed. I'm so glad you could join us today as we look at another week of reading the scriptures on a day-by-day basis. We're looking at proper 23. This time we're looking at the prophet Jeremiah, and we'll I'll show you how we tie that into 2 Kings in a minute. We continue on with 1 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 13, the famous chapter of love, fabulous chapter. Then we go into chapter 14, and chapter 15. Chapter 14 and 15 are also fabulous chapters. In fact, this is a pretty tough um, week to speak about the Word of God because each of these chapters, including the ones in Jeremiah, are long and detailed. There's a tremendous amount of information uh, in each of those chapters. And then finally, we're looking at the 10th chapter of Matthew, which is a pretty long chapter, and then chapter 11. Again, Jesus continues his ministry, preaching, teaching, casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing many miracles. The miracles are not the key. The key is our relationship with him. The key is loving him. The key, as we saw last week with Matthew in chapter 9, follow me, follow Jesus. That's the key. Now, one of the key points of the Old Testament, particularly when you go into the history books of First and 2 Kings, is how the prophets, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, particularly, integrate with 2 Kings, and then later Ezra and Nehemiah. And so this might be a little bit too much work for most folks that are listening to me, but you'd want to integrate the teachings of 2 Kings particularly with the prophet that is speaking to the king at the time. Let me give you a good example. In Jeremiah chapter 36 on Sunday we see in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, and we talked about Josiah last week, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. So These chapters are long, so I really can't go through them in any detail, but the the way it works is the prophet is going to receive a message from the Lord. The message is going to be given to the king. The king is then going to make a decision or a series of decisions regarding the word of the Lord. Remember, they didn't really have, until we found the book of the law, Deuteronomy, from Josiah, remember his kingship last week, they didn't really have the text they needed to have. So they depended on people that were raised up by God Almighty to speak the word of the Lord to them because they didn't know what it was. And so these prophets would speak to them. There was only one problem for the prophet. If the king didn't like the word of the Lord as we will see in Jeremiah's situation, Many people call him the suffering prophet or the weeping prophet. Jeremiah is going to have a pretty serious consequence to that. Now, all that prophet's trying to do is speak the word of the Lord. Now, what happens when the prophet does not speak the word of the Lord? That's Deuteronomy 18. There's serious consequences to that prophet. That is a very dangerous thing for that prophet to do that. Now, ideally... The king needs to hear the prophet and do what the prophet says. So, in chapter 37, for example, enjoy chapter 36 in the book of Jeremiah. In chapter 37, Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah, reigned instead of Koneah, the son of Jehoiakim. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that it spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. There's a perfect example. They did not listen. They did not listen to what Jeremiah was saying. In, in essence, they, it wasn't a problem with Jeremiah, it was a problem with God. God had to deal directly with them because they would not hear the word of the Lord. King Zedekiah sent Jehuchal, the son of Shelemiah and Zephaniah the priest, the son of Manasseh to Jeremiah saying, please pray for us to the Lord our God. Now, Jeremiah was still going in and coming out among the people, but he had not been put in prison. He's gonna eventually be put in prison. The army of Pharaoh had come from Egypt and when the Chaldeans who were besieging Jerusalem heard about it, they withdrew from Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and the Lord talked about the present situation. Again, long chapter. Jeremiah, at the end of that chapter, is imprisoned. He's imprisoned. When Jeremiah had come to the dungeon cells and remained there many days, King Zedekiah, verse 17, sent for him and received him. The king questioned him secretly in his house, is there any word from the Lord? So he wants to hear the word of the Lord. He knows Jeremiah is a prophet and he knows God is going to speak to him, but he doesn't He's not confident about what is going to be said by Jeremiah from the Lord because it could be negative and it could hurt Jer- It could hurt the king. This is why the kings didn't like it. He said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. That's the prophecy, Zedekiah. You are going to be captured. You are going to have to deal with the king of Babylon. In chapter 38, which we find on Thursday and Friday, Jeremiah is cast into the cistern. The cistern. They threw him in a well, and they were going to leave him for dead. Let this man be put to death, verse 4, for he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who left in the city in the hands of all the people. By speaking such words to them, this man is not seeking the well for the people, but their harm. So, leaders interpreted the word of the Lord through Jeremiah to be against God and against the people, and they disposed of the prophet. They didn't want to hear the prophet anymore. In essence, of course, they didn't want to hear the word of the Lord. Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchakia, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard, letting Jeremiah go down by ropes. And there was no water in the cistern, but only mud. And Jeremiah sank in the mud. But he's rescued from the cistern, as you will read in 38. And then he warns Zedekiah again. I love the book of Jeremiah. It's a very long book, 52 chapters. And I love how the history of Israel and Judah, we're obviously talking about Judah right now, the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, how all that works together, the leaders of of Babylon are working together and how Jerusalem is not dealing with it from a um, military point of view, but it's a theological point of view. If they will turn to the Lord and listen to the Lord, they'll be saved, but if they don't, the prophet will speak ill against them. 2 Kings 25, remember I told you I was going to return to that this week, we have the fall and the captivity of Judah. I've always been very impressed with the 25th chapter of 1 Kings. 1 Kings 17 is the fall of the northern kingdom. 2 Kings 17, I'm sorry, is the fall of the northern kingdom. 2 Kings 25 is the fall of the southern kingdom. That will be in chapter 25, 8 to 12, and 22 to 26. And over the people who remained in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had left, he appointed Gedaliah governor. When all the captains and their men heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah governor, they came with their men. And Gedaliah swore to them, verse 24, do not be afraid because of the Chaldean officials. These are, again, the Babylonians. Live in the land and serve the king of Babylon and be well with you. But then people started dying. And they were afraid of the Chaldeans, verse 26. And then you see the end of chapter 25 and how it seemed to be quite hopeless at that time because they had gone against the Lord. The prophet had condemned them and it raised up the Babylonians. God did raise the Babylonians and their city uh, was destroyed. First Corinthians 13, now going in a totally opposite direction, we're going to talk about loving one another. What I was just talking about was hardly that. First Corinthians 13, an extraordinarily famous chapter, talks about love, talks about the importance of love. Agape is the Greek word agape. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, verse 4. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails. Never fails to love. So love is a very, very important commodity. and Very, very important in our Christian walk in faith. Ask the Lord of love to give you his love so that you can act and I can act in a loving way. In chapter 14, we have the continuing conversation about the charismata, and we see the idea of speaking in tongues, which in the last 50 years is much ink has been spilled on that subject, and spiritual gifts, and the charismata, and the gifts of the Spirit, and how the gifts of the Spirit are manifested. And so that's what chapter 14 is about. Read it slowly and carefully. If you have a Bible that offers an interpretation, that might be helpful. The idea, again, is that we are dealing with a situation where each of us has gifts and talents and skills. We are to use them for the upbuilding of the body and the blessing of the body and the church. That upbuilding will build the church in such a way in terms of growth in terms of maturation in chapter 15 we take a very dramatic shift and uh, paul talks about the resurrection of christ now the resurrection of christ chapter 15 verses 1 through 11 on friday for i delivered to you verse 3 of first importance what i also receive that christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, that was Peter. Then he appeared, this is Jesus, Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, some have fallen asleep, they have died. Then he appeared to James, that's his half-brother who wrote the book of James, who later was bishop of Jerusalem. Then to all the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared to me. So he appears to Paul. I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I love this scripture. Verse 10. I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. So he's setting down the reason for the gospel. And it has to do with Christ has died for our sins, that he's buried, that he was raised on the third day and that he appeared. And that's what we base our teaching and our life on. The simple fact of what Christ did for us. He expands that idea and talks about the resurrection of the dead in verses 22 to 29. And again, this is a fairly long text. He talks about how important uh, the resurrection of Christ is. If the the dead are not raised, verse 16 of chapter 15, not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Those who have fallen asleep, they've perished. Those who have died, you're you're not going to make it. But... If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all people most to be pitied. If it was only this life, that's not enough. We have eternal life in Christ because of Christ's death and resurrection. He has given us freedom. He has given us the victory. He has to overcome death and the grave. We rejoice and are glad in that. We rejoice and are glad in what Christ has accomplished. So what you have here in this study of 1 Corinthians, you have this amazing chapter in chapter 13 about loving one another and about the love of God. In chapter 15, you have the importance of the resurrection of Christ and what that means in terms of our theology and our lifestyle. And then in between those two chapters, you have chapter 14, his continuation of chapter 12 in terms of the body of Christ, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and the spiritual gifts that we have. Let's go now to Matthew chapter 10. Now, Matthew chapter 10 is a long chapter. Matthew chapter 10 is a long chapter. It's a very good chapter, of course. He's calling the 12 apostles as I spoke to you about last week at the beginning of the chapter. He sends out the 12 apostles, sends them out to do ministry and then gives them instructions. And he gives them lots of instructions. It's not the Sermon of the Mount, but it's a, an extended teaching. It's an extended teaching. And so I hope that you will enjoy that. I often read the 10th chapter because it's a little bit different from five, six, and seven, obviously. And he gives them warning about their ministry and about how he's leading them and how dangerous it potentially can be. But he is with them. He tells them how he wants them to behave, how he wants them to act, and the way that he wants them to think. He says in verse 40, whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Don't you wish they would have received Jeremiah? They would have been a lot better off in the Old Testament. The one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. So when you receive the prophet, when you receive the righteous person, when you receive the person sent from God, it's a very good thing. And whoever gives one of these little ones, even a cup of cold water, because he is his disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Will there be rewards in heaven? Absolutely. Rewards from Jesus. So the 10th chapter is a pretty extended teaching chapter. Uh, much like chapter 13, when you have all the, of the parables that we'll see. And then much like 5, 6, and 7, when you have the Sermon on the Mount, much like chapter 25 when we look at three other major parables. So in chapter 23, he gives extended teaching about the Pharisees. And so uh, there are chapters in Matthew that have an extension of teaching in them. And then, of course, as I said last week, uh, in chapter 8 and 9, you have one incident after the next in terms of miracles. We conclude this week with chapter 11, messengers from John the Baptist. Hey, he's sitting in prison. Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? I'm sitting here in prison getting ready to die probably, which he does. He has his head cut off. Jesus says, I love this answer. Verse four. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He doesn't say, yes, I'm the one. He just says, here's what I'm doing. You can figure it out from there. Only God could do this. So I'm obviously God, I'm called by God, I am the Messiah. And then he talks quite eloquently about his cousin, John the Baptist, who gives up his life, who dies for the sake of the gospel. And he exalts John and shows the importance of John in Christian teaching and theology. Now, we've covered a lot of ground today. We've covered a lot of ground. When you read through the book of Jeremiah and the chapters outlined today, they're quite long, as I've said repeatedly, but you see how God is working through the prophet and how the prophet has to suffer for speaking the word of the Lord. It is not easy to speak the word of the Lord, brothers and sisters. It is a hard thing to do. Oftentimes, there's persecution. Thank God they got him out of that well, out of that cistern. And in 1 Corinthians, three long chapters, 13, 14, and 15, about the resurrection, about spiritual gifts, and about loving one another. And then finally, the long 10th chapter, and the beginning of the 11th chapter, where we have an extended discussion from Jesus as he sends out the apostles and shares with us what his expectation is and how he is present with us. God bless you as you read through the scriptures this week. I hope that you enjoy them very much and that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will speak to you in a powerful way. I hope to see you next week for the Word of God.